And we should, we should always have our Bibles and follow along in our Bibles. In this case, we, we definitely should. You know, it's, it's really great to have a message of inspiration. That's what I uh, believe the Lord laid on my heart last time I had an opportunity in here on Wednesday night. But tonight it's going to be information. And uh, just following along verse by verse. So we definitely, definitely need our Bibles in front of us. And not necessarily a lot of life application, but just understanding why the Bible is saying what it is. Uh, we have gone through the first chapter of Galatians on sporadic Wednesday nights when I've had the privilege and opportunity to be in here. And we're going to start in chapter 2. And as you might know from the last studies that we've had over this first chapter, Paul is defending himself as a true apostle of God. He's not an apostle of man. There are Judaizers that are coming in and infiltrating the Galatian churches and, and trying to rob them, if you will, of their understanding of their freedom and their grace and uh, bring them back under the bondage of the law. And one thing they're trying to do is discredit the Apostle Paul as saying he received his information and his teaching passed down from man, passed down from the other apostles. And you know, and as I think today about how you can go to someone and tell someone the truth from God's Word, yet they'll go out in the world and listen to what people say uh, against God's Word, and, the, and they'll go that direction instead. And, and it amazes me. However, the same thing was done back in this day and time. Let's go ahead and read the, the first ten verses and, and follow along. And <clears throat> what we're going to see is, is Paul in defense of his apostleship. Get as much as you can out of the reading. Starting in chapter 2, it says, Then fourteen years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seemed to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person, for they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles." And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, 
that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. We're going to take a look at Paul's visit to Jerusalem and, and the time frames of what took place, uh, his relation to the apostles, contrary to what the Judaizers have told these Galatian churches that were saved by grace under the, the, the teaching and the preaching and the evangelism of Paul. And then we're going, and you're going to see the doctrine that he preached. But what we're going to see first in verses 1 and 2, we see that uh, after a space of 14 years, that Paul went back to Jerusalem, and he went with Barnabas also, and he took Titus. And, and remember, what they're saying is everything to do with Paul's apostleship is of man, and it's not from God, and he's able to confront. I love how the truth backs up the truth, and when you live for the truth, you can stand boldly. This is a boldness you're going to find in Paul. And he says, I went up by revelation, according to a divine revealing to Paul that that he needed to go to Jerusalem. And, and it doesn't say how that took place. Maybe the church at Antioch sent him. Maybe it was just straight from God in some way that he communicated to him. But the bottom line, it was of God that Paul went to Jerusalem. The Judaizers tried to criticize at any unity Paul had with the other apostles. But he went up by revelation. It was God that sent him to Jerusalem. And no apostle or anyone else told Paul, Paul, wasn't following man by going to Jerusalem. And, and as far as him going, he's informing any doubting Galatians, that, that's what's going on here, uh, the, the, the Galatian Christians in the churches, they're seesawing and they're starting to listen to what the Judaizers are saying uh, about how you have to keep the law and, and bringing them under the bondage of the law when Paul had preached grace and they were saved by grace. So, as, so he's informing any doubting Galatians that after 14 years, he went to the Jerusalem Christians and, and he didn't go to listen to preaching. He didn't go to listen to what the other apostles were teaching so that he can fall in line with their doctrine. He went and he preached to them. He went and he preached the gospel to them. He gave a full exposition of the gospel of grace and it's the same gospel that he had already been preaching for years and years now. He said he never changed the message that he preached and he received his revelation from from God. Paul didn't go to listen and to learn from the other apostles, but to boldly lay out the Word of God to them and the Gospel to them as he knew it, as God gave it to him. Now he did... Now, it says in verse 2 that he did have a separate conference here with some others. In verse 2 where it says, but, but privately to them which were of reputation, he communicated with. He had a big council meeting with. And, and the information in the background of this is, is that he met together with some church leaders. Paul went into it very confidently. He spoke and, and he let them answer. Uh, but this meeting got so theological 
theologically deep that it wouldn't have benefited many Christians to be in anyway. It was a, it was an important business meeting, if you will. There was nothing secretly going on, but he was meeting with church leaders, and this big council meeting was over the fact that Jews were circumcised, okay, and and when Gentiles became converts, you know they weren't being circumcised, and and the matter on the table at this conference meeting with these leaders that Paul was in was should should these Christians should these Gentiles that get saved should they be circumcised uh, should this be demanded or or should it just be done away with altogether and we see in verse three it says but neither Titus who was with me being a Greek was compelled to be circumcised. Paul took Titus with him. When he went back to Jerusalem, here he has Titus with him, and he takes him into this meeting, and he takes him into this meeting where where you have people with the wrong idea. Someone's always trying to add something to salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's Just as Jason was just singing, it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. It is trust and faith. And, and you know, you, you're not baptized to be saved. You, you don't add that to be able to be saved. And, and Neither is circumcision that way. Yet you had someone trying to add something into God's pure gospel, and in this case it was circumcision. But Paul took Titus with him into this meeting for a twofold reason. Titus had the fruit of salvation blossoming in his life. I mean, you could just you could just see the Lord in Titus. Titus was living for the Lord. He was maturing quickly as a young Christian, which shows, number one, that Paul's spiritual race hadn't been run in vain. Okay, his his spiritual life and and his teaching and and his ministry had not been received from the other apostles. God had separated him and taking taken him off into a land all by himself for about three years. And and as he was uh, independently under the Lord uh, ministering, there's the fruit of salvation in the life of of Titus here. And although Titus was a Greek and uncircumcised, the evidence of Christianity was in his life. And and no one insisted on him being circumcised. And here he has this Christian in this meeting that that is that has not been circumcised, which is the big deal that the others are trying to make here. And uh and so there was a vote whether there should be circumcision with salvation or whether there shouldn't be. And some voted yes, but the Lord was in it and the majority voted no. So circumcision was resisted as being a requirement concerning salvation. That's absurd, but that's what the meeting was about. And and and, and mind you, I just got through saying, Paul went by revelation back to Jerusalem. And God used Paul in a very instrumental way here. So, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but don't lose track of the fact that Paul is confirming his divine apostleship to these Christians in Galatia that have had imposters coming in trying to say negative things and lies about Paul. So here Paul is, and he's very instrumental right in the middle of this meeting by, by, by bringing Titus... Um, and so what ended up happening with circumcision was that the Jews still practiced it among themselves, but it wasn't pushed upon the Gentiles, and, and it was never considered some kind of requirement when someone trusted in Christ as Savior. And now we see in verse 4, 
And the reason for all this that we've already touched on, and that because of brethren, false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Some people might wonder why in the world some people have been in a church before and, and why they're there. They don't even believe what the church believes. And and that's the exact thing that was going on in Galatia with the Jews that, that had been slipping in and, and they're listening and, and they're listening to the things that are going on and being taught. The subject of the Gentiles being circumcised, it, it would have never come up though if it weren't for false brothers and unawares. So Paul, while Paul was defending his apostleship, at the same time he's offending the enemies in the Galatian churches. Just know that any time you stand for the for the truth, you're going to offend someone. We're, we cannot stand for the truth and also want to be everybody's friend and, and be on everyone's good side. It's not going to happen when you stand for the truth. The truth offends a lot of people. Paul went back to Jerusalem with a boldness and the truth has offended. It has offended the enemies of the Galatian churches. These false brethren, they're the... The ones that were in this meeting, the ones that are going into the Galatian churches, they're all of the the same breed, they're of the same flock, uh, they're the same folks slipping into the churches, and... And they wanted to compromise and say, okay, I'll accept that Jesus is your Messiah, but, but you have to keep the law. The law is good. The, the person of God should live by the law. But they didn't accept salvation in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. They didn't accept a personal relationship. And they're trying to come in, and this doctrine of grace that offends them, they're trying to push on this church and, and deceivingly just change things up just a little bit. And the same way they entered into Galatia is the same way that they entered into Jerusalem at this time. See, Paul's already had this experience. What Galatia is experiencing, you know, our experiences are always for a reason. Sometimes they're negative, sometimes we don't like them. They're always for a reason and God can always use them. So what what the Galatian churches are experiencing is exactly what Paul had been experiencing. So he has the experience and knowledge of these Jews to be able to help the Christians in the churches that have been saved. And he also has that experience to back up the lies that have been told against him. The... They all came in privily. They, they have stolen their way in secretly is how they came in. And, and we see why in the second part of verse 4. They came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. I said a minute ago, why in the world are some people in some churches, they don't, they don't believe what the, the church believes and things of that nature. Well, these Judaizers were in these churches saved by grace, viewing these Christians, these objects of this grace that they're against, and they're listening to their theology, and they're spying with hostile intentions, kind of like an enemy spying in war to discover the weak points of the ones that they're going against. So they watched and they listened to these Christians saved by grace. They, they watched how they lived and they listened to what they taught. And, and uh, 
They taught that they were freed from the Mosaic law by justification by faith. These people heard this, but their heart wasn't open to receive it. They rebuked it, and but they deceivingly was trying to tie them up with rules and regulations. You know, when Satan's at work, it's not just a really blunt, obvious thing that he's doing. He is steadily trying to deceive and work his way in in a manipulative manner. And, and that gives us all a need to be very, very close to the Lord because we're no match for Him. We're no match for His deceptions, but the Lord is. All our confidence should be in Him as a church. All our confidence should be in Him as individual Christians. And, and they're, they're just very smoothly trying to tie them up with rules and regulations. And this, it wasn't just uh, an, an, attempt, an intention. It wasn't just an attempt of these Judaizers. The Judaizers thought of their attempt that it was going to be a sure success. They were going in to take, to take over these churches, to hush the grace that Paul preached, to discredit Paul, and to turn that into this legalistic type of church. But they didn't know the power of a mature foundation in Jesus Christ. You know, and, and they were, where they were having some success, in Galatia, they didn't have success in Jerusalem because you had you had Christians, you had those such as Paul that knew the Word of God, that knew the truth, that knew what he was talking about, as well as Titus and as well as Barnabas, and and so that's got to convict Galatia of of the the weak victim they've allowed themselves to become by turning the other way. Um, and as we go into verse 5, it says, To whom we gave place by subjection, know not for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Wow, the Judaizers were starting to... It seemed as though they were starting to win something that was going on in Galatia. They were really starting to get their foot in the door. They really had these... I mean, some people really want to hear something new. They really want something new and fresh to tickle their ears, even if it's not the truth. They just want to hear something new. I think I mentioned before in one of these messages that I was speaking to a fellow one time, and he said, I'm preaching a new gospel to the people, and they're just eating it up. And I have no idea what his new gospel was, but I, but I assure you, it, it was something that wasn't good. And there, there's something new that was coming in, and the Judaizers were winning against Galatia, but they lost in Jerusalem because... Because these Christians wouldn't compromise. They wouldn't compromise the truth. We can't look at people and we can't look at relationships and, and, and doing the best we can to get along in relationship-wise if, if it means compromising the truth. The truth should never be compromised. And, and it wasn't. It wasn't in Jerusalem where Paul sent him. And, and, the, and there's many reasons why he didn't compromise the truth. And one thing he says to the Galatian churches is, it was for your sakes. It was for your sakes. You know, I, I had a message ready for the teenagers tonight. And, and it had to do with our Christian life and our testimony and our, us living our lives, not only in obedience to the Lord because we should obey and, and revere the Lord and thank Him for our salvation and the gift of eternal life that He's given us, but also for the, for the little kids in the church. There's little kids in the church and they don't necessarily, we don't necessarily get their attention, us, us folks that are older than teenagers. 
But they see the teen, I said that nicely, didn't I? But they see the teenagers, and man, they just fought to them, and they hunger for them, they love them. And they're always looking, man, they come in the church and they make a beeline, they're looking for the teenagers. So, so not only for your own sakes are we to mature in the Lord and live the Christian life, but for the sakes of these little ones that look up to you. Now, Paul is saying that he did not compromise the gospel for your sake, Galatia. It should all be coming back around now. It should be coming around to these churches that have started compromising. They've been flattered by these other people that have come in the church. And there should be no compromising for the truth. And Paul never did that. And he tells them, I've done this. I've suffered some persecution. I've went through some things over the truth because I'm supposed to. But I had you in mind. Here they are turning from the truth. And Paul's saying, I am suffering for the truth. And part of it is because of you. Because of you. Because I want you to be protected. Because I want you to continue in the truth. So that you can be permanent and unchanged by the truth of the gospel. What a conviction that this should bring upon the Galatians to consider the, their source of information that they are getting. To consider who they've been listening to. I mean, not only about legalism versus grace, but also Paul versus the rest of the apostles and where Paul's information came from and where his teaching came from. There should be a great conviction upon their lives. Verse 6, but of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference, they added nothing to me. Paul's been in Jerusalem. He's been in this private meeting. They, they've had this private voting going on. And, it, and, and he sees who seems to be in leadership and authority. And, and when he says, when he says whatsoever they were, it maketh no, no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. This is not disrespect. Uh, you know, there's some, there's some other apostles that are present who, who they are claiming, again, alright, that, that Paul got his information and his teaching and his, and his theology from them. He's not trying to disrespect them, but he's just showing his independence from them. What happened with Paul and these other apostles, anytime they came in, in contact with one another, it, it was completely opposite of what had been told to these Galatian pers- uh, uh, Christians about Paul. Paul firmly showed his independence. Paul knows that God doesn't accept position or have partiality. Uh, J.B. Phillips says it this way, God is not impressed with a man's office. And, and so the idea is, no matter who these apostolic authorities were, none of them added anything to my gospel. They said, the, the Judaizers said everything came from the other apostles to Paul. And Paul is telling these Galatians in the other ear that they've been listening to this other stuff. He says, not one thing, not one thing has been added to the gospel that I've been preaching for all these many years up up in the teens now. Okay? No new requirements were added. No limitations. There were no conditions. There, there, was, there was no 
uh, tweaking on his doctrine put, put forth by the other apostles in any way whatsoever. Uh, and, and no matter who they, who, no matter who else was there, no matter what position they held, no matter what advantages they have, Paul received the words he spoke and the position he had directly from God, and he backs it up over and over and over again. He backs it up with his path that where God led him away from the apostles in the very beginning. He backs it up by him going and preaching to them. They were not preaching to him. People, people just love to twist things up though. Paul makes it clear that no man can change him and that no man had authority over him. As a matter of fact, verse 7, he says, but contrary wise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. I'll, I'll stop right there. They recognized that Paul's position was just as valid as Peter's. This is what the people saw in him that, that, that God gave the Christians there. And he's not speaking of two gospels here, of course, when he says, when he speaks, when he says, uh, the gospel of uncircumcision and the gospel of circumcision. Peter was simply preaching the gospel to the Jews and Paul was simply preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. Two different groups of people, but one gospel was preached. And no one rebuked uh, anything about Paul, but divinely respected his commission. And he explains in verse 8, For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. God, by way of the Holy Spirit, made Peter an apostle to the Jews, and in the same manner... Same Holy Spirit, the only Holy Spirit of God, made Paul uh, an apostle to the Gentiles. And he takes a boldness in his liberty to defend who God made him by claiming equality with Peter. And Paul's not only... He, Paul, he's all, you're always backed up when you preach the truth. You know, one fellow, I don't know what he did in a, I don't know what he did. He married into a family and the whole family came against him for something. And this guy just had a peace and a boldness about him. And he was talking to his preacher and he said, how do you have such a peace and a boldness? He said, because I'm telling the truth. And so, when you tell the truth, you're always backed. Truth is always going to prevail. Paul is not only, he's not only making his claim and, and making his boldness of the truth himself, but in verse 9 we see, and when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, Perceive that the, perceive the grace that was given unto me. They gave me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. Paul went to these other apostles and Paul preached to them. And Paul went into this meeting where they were trying to, to put circumcision into this idea of salvation and Paul rebuked them. And then afterwards and after they spent some time around Paul, 
they, they are the ones that confirmed, that they perceived the grace that was given unto, unto them. Gave me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, that they unto the circumcision. So James, Cephas, and John, reputable pillars of the church, they became sure, God, God gave them peace in their heart, and they became sure of Paul's uh, divine commission. But all the manifestations, by all the manifestations of God's divine grace in his life, he didn't, he didn't follow the men that these, these, let me just call them liars, if I can be a little blunt, that, that have gone into these churches. Satan is trying to mess up these churches saved by grace. And, and the very things that they said about Paul, the very opposite happened. They, they were, they had peace. They became sure of Paul's commission of God's divine grace in Paul's life. You know, God ordains people into the ministry. I, I think an ordination service is great. And I believe that God's people ought to all have, be able to have peace with, with who's standing before them that claims to be ordained by God. And that's a good thing. But let's understand that God ordains in the ministry. And, and it was God that ordained Paul. It's God that ordains missionaries that go out into the mission field. And, and, and if it's truly happened, God's people are going to have a peace with it. But God is the one that ordains. It's God that ordained Paul. This gift, this grace was given unto Paul. And, and it's given today just as, just as well. And Paul always Paul always referred to this as a gift, as a gift of grace. And these pillars of the church, they offer their token of goodwill and their agreement of, of the gifts that Paul has. James, Cephas, and John, they offer the right hand of fellowship to Paul and to Barnabas. The Lord touched their heart to be in full agreement with, with the claimed commission by Paul. The only thing they added, the only thing they added, Paul puts it in there. He doesn't leave anything out. Nothing is going to be able to come back on Paul in this. And the only thing we, he, they added we see in verse 10. Only, that the, only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. Paul already had a heart to remember the poor. That, that's the only thing that, that they tried to add to him, and, and it was something that was already added in his apostleship. That's something that he already took care of. Isn't it wonderful that our, that our testimony can, can confirm us? Isn't it wonderful to know that people can say whatever they want to say about you and it doesn't even have to affect you if you're right with the Lord and you're doing right and you're living by the truth and you stand for the truth. That's, People, people don't understand the boldness that a Christian can have. But if we do right, we're backed up by God. Amen? Let us, so people might call Christians hate groups, let them try to call us whatever they want, but, but there's just an absolute peace. There's, we have a word that's an absolute authority. And and it backs us up, and we should always stand for the truth and not compromise. No doubt, the Galatians are seeing that they are that they have started compromising. They've looked at man instead of God, and listened to what man said about Paul, saying it had something to do with man when he was when he was fully led of God in everything he did. 
Although, well, it's wonderful when the truth backs us up. Well, it was, it's good to be in the Lord's house tonight. Hope, hope you leave and say it was good to be here. Please especially keep, uh, 